Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, May the 12th, 2022. It is currently 9.35 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. This is part 20. Yes, this is part 20 in our series. Well, this is part 20 in our study of Matthew 24. Now, this is a part of a broader series that we call Bible Study Exercises, which there's, well, I think there's close to 250 of them now. So there's 250 Bible Study Exercise episodes where we try to get you to move from a passive listener to an active participant, trying to get you to actually study the Bible, not just listen. And so with the Bible study exercises, I do some teaching, I give homework. You can just go back and listen to everything in the series and kind of pick up what we're about and what we're trying to do. Someone just said good evening in the live chat. Well, good evening to you as well. Thank you for listening. Uh, but this, this is part 20 in our study of Matthew 24. Typically, what we do is we get, we dedicate one week to one passage of Scripture, but with Matthew 24, we're, sp- we're going to spend around probably close to eight weeks working on this chapter, Matthew chapter 24. And if you've been with us for the 19 parts preceding this, you know why we've spent so much time, because there's so much disagreement, so many different interpretations, so much mishandling of this chapter that it absolutely requires the time that we have put in. Uh, This being part 20, that pretty much represents about 19 hours of discussion, teaching, giving you homework. I mean, it's about 19 hours of content that we have brought to you on Matthew chapter 24. And I hope that somewhere in those 19 hours, it's been beneficial for you. But for me, and and I and and I don't know maybe maybe I'm the only one so I'm going to just I'm just going to describe something that maybe some of you can relate to and maybe some of you cannot but every time I study the bible it doesn't matter if I spend if I spend a couple of hours if I spend a, a couple of weeks on a passage of scripture it doesn't matter it, every time I study not only do I get challenged mentally. I've got to think and I struggle. I'm trying to figure this out. I have 500 questions. And yeah, I mean, I, I go through all of the, the, mental, the mental process of study. But for me, there's always an emotional element, right? Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get sad. Sometimes I get happy. There's always an emotional element for, at least for me, there's the, there's the mental and there's the emotional. And these two things, it, it's just, and I never know what to expect. Whenever I sit down to look at any, I don't, I don't really know. I never know what's going to happen. I know that sounds weird because I think most people, you just kind of, you probably, I pick up the Bible, I read it, I study it. And I, I don't know, do you have, do you have these different like, it's always different for me. I, I never really know exactly what's going to happen. And that's been true with our study in Matthew 24. It's been an absolute wild ride. If you listen to the last few broadcasts, you definitely heard some frustration. 
some discouragement. And I'm just going to be honest with you, as we've gotten further and further into Matthew 24, uh, okay, someone said that they do feel emotional about this study. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Over, especially during this week, I, I've, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, uh, honest with you, I've reached pretty much a, a depressed state. Almost just a, a depression has set in, like a like a dark cloud just just moved over me, or like a a fog just came in, and I'm just like in the middle of this dark fog, and it's just discouraging and it's depressing. I know I'm not supposed to say that. I know, but I I don't I don't care about using church language and and saying all the things that you're supposed to say. I, I'm I'm just trying to be real with you. And my frustration is really I, and I and I know I've already I don't want to spend too much time expressing this, but but I I I want on one hand I don't want to spend too much time on, but on the other hand I I want to express it because there may be some other people out there who maybe you maybe you feel some of the same frustration maybe not about Matthew 24 just maybe about religion and Christianity in general it, it just drives me crazy that 2000 years of church history 2000 years of church history and and we can't even agree on the basic way to read a chapter like Matthew 24. 2,000 years of church history, and we can't, we can't agree. Matthew 24, well, it, it, I, I would, I mean, I, it looks to me that the, the basic reading should at least point you to something related to 70 AD. 70 AD would have to be a major focus here because that is Jesus uh, the, Jesus walks out of the temple. The disciples run up to him and say, look at all of these buildings. Jesus says, hey, all of these buildings are going to be destroyed. And then they start asking questions, obviously related to when is this temple going to be destroyed? And Jesus proceeds to give the answer. And then after and 2,000 years later, here we are as Christians, like, well, you know, it, it doesn't really have anything to do with 70 AD. The answer had nothing to do with them. And you're like, wait, wait a minute, wait. It has nothing to do with 70 AD. And others are like, no, the whole thing has something to do with 70 AD. And others are like, no, it, it has both. And there's just no agreement. And you're just like, so if we can't agree on the basic way to read Matthew 24, what hope is there of figuring anything out? And then all you have to do is you can hop on social media, just anywhere Christians are talking about anything, and you just see debate, 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 argument, 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 and no one can agree. And it's just, at times, you just want to say, you know what? I mean, I mean, I've reached a point now that I don't even, I don't even care about arguing about anything anymore. I'm almost to the point, like, you know, I don't care what you believe, believe whatever you want. I know I'm not, I'm just being honest with my feelings. It's like, What's the point? Because I say A, you say B, you say C, I say D, and it's just, it goes on and on and on. And this chapter is just so maddening just because there's so, like, we, we spent, what, two hours uh, reviewing a sermon, and, and reviewing that sermon was literally, I mean, I was ready to go drive myself to, you know, a mental hospital and check myself in because it was just like, there's no hope. There's just... There's, I, I was so discouraged. I'm like, how could someone say the things they said about Matthew 24 
and and any like with a straight face. It was so crazy. I'm like, I can't believe what I am hearing. So it's been a wild ride. I feel a little bit better today. I'm still very discouraged that no one can agree. I'm still very bothered by that. And, and remember the reason I'm bothered by that, just so that people understand, it's because I'm not Catholic. See, Catholicism as a Catholic, you just say, look, it's the church. The church has the magisterial authority. They have the authority to interpret the Bible, not me. I, I can't figure it all out. I can't interpret it, interpret it. So I just rely on the church. The church tells me what to believe. It tells me what, how to understand a passage. It's the church that has the power. It's the church who has the authority. So they just, I mean, they, they, that's a freeing thing. They don't have to figure it out. They just rely on the church. But the Protestant world, whether they whether we want to admit it or not, we make some very significant claims. We obviously claim the church doesn't have the sole authority and power to interpret the Bible. The person sitting in the pew does. And the person in the pew not only has the authority and power to interpret it, they can then interpret it and then they can question and challenge what the pastor or the church is saying. And they can either try to move to get the pastor fired, replace the pastor, or they can just leave, start another church. They can start an entire another denomination. So, and we and we talk about we're being like the Bereans. We're we're checking the Word of God to see if these things are so. So we, it's our job to check the Word of God, which implies that we can read it, that we can understand it, that we can interpret it, and then we can judge the teaching we hear based off our interpretation. That's a massive claim. Well, we make that claim and no one bothers to go, but wait a minute. Nobody agrees. Nobody agrees on anything. And as soon as I say that, I'll get an email. Well, we agree on most things. Really? Do we? Do we really agree on most things? How much agreement is there on the doctrine of baptism? The Lord saw. I mean, I could go on and on and on. We've talked about it a hundred times. So because I'm not Catholic, it makes me think, well, wait a minute. How can we, how are we supposed to operate when we can't agree on, again, the basic reading of Matthew 24? Jesus departs from the temple. The disciples show him the buildings. Jesus says, these buildings are coming down. The disciples, clearly the question is in response to, when is this going to happen? Jesus gives them signs. But I'm told by pastors who supposedly know far more than I am, that people will pay hundreds of dollars to get into a building to hear them preach. At one point, people would pay a dollar to $2 per sermon to download it, uh, download their sermons. So this pastor clearly knows more than I do, tells me, no, no, the 70 AD is not, doesn't even really come into focus in this chapter. And these answers are not even for the disciples. And you're like, wait a minute, how... But but doesn't it explain how that they they draw that conclusion? They just make a dogmatic assertion, and I'm just reading it, going, how would anyone with basic reading comprehension come to that conclusion? It's just been it's been maddening. But that's 11 minutes. I'm just I'm just venting. I'm just venting. But I'm trying to work through it. And sometimes people, when they hear me say this, they're like, "So what do we do?" Look, I, I'm just going to continue to say this. Look, I, Christianity has always been a mess. It always will be a mess. All right. The church has always been a mess. It always will be a mess. There's so much I don't understand. There's so much confusion. 
that I, I don't have any answer for. Here's what I know. I believe that the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God. And I believe that it has to be the final and only authority because every other idea seems to fall apart and doesn't work and leads to mass corruption and craziness. So it's my job. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it's supposed to be interpreted by every individual. I just know it's my job to pick it up and do the best I can to figure out what it says by the words that are used and try to understand it in the basic way that we would understand any form of written communication, right? Context and all the different things. And, the, and all I can do is the best I can do. And I really, I can't, I wish I could fix the fact that Christians can't agree on anything, but I can't. That's all I can do. And just by faith, believe, okay, God, this is your word. I don't know why it's, it's, I hate to say it. In some ways, it feels like at times that the Bible is the Tower of Babel, right? And this, in this sense, that it should be the thing that brings us all together, but it's at the Tower of Babel where God separated everyone. Everyone was dispersed. Everyone was there. Everyone spoke a different language. And it's like, we all come to the Bible and like, this should be the thing that unifies us. And we end up broken into almost different languages. Everyone's speaking a different language. Last night, I watched uh, a, from the Theos uh, conference, a lecture on the theology of the Azusa Street Revival. And here's this, uh, you know, woman talking about the Azusa Street Revival. Clearly, she's Pentecostal. Clearly, she's charismatic. And her whole theology, her whole perspective. I mean, clearly, she's not, she's in a form of Christianity that I don't even understand, that I completely reject. She's speaking a different language. It's like, we're not even speaking the same language. It's like, no, 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 I'm a Christian. And she's like, I'm a Christian. She's quoting Jude. We have to contend for the faith. I'm like, what you're contending for, I don't even believe is the faith. But what I'm contending for, she wouldn't even think is the faith. But but she would be holding up the Bible saying, this is the word of God. And I'd be holding up the Bible saying, this is the word of God. How can the Bible almost become the very place where we're then broken in to different languages and we can't can't come to any kind of agreement on anything? It's just so bizarre. Everyone's like, within the Protestant world, it's the Bible alone. And everybody's like, amen. And everybody's like, give it. No, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And then they start talking. I don't understand the language you're saying. And then as the next thing you know, we're all scattered across the world speaking a different language because no one can seem to understand the other language. It's just weird that in some ways the Tower of Babel is kind of what the Bible has become in the Protestant world. Hey, we've got the Bible you know, nothing can stop us now. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, no, no, we're all scattered. And now we can't, we don't speak the same language. I, I don't know. It's just, it's just frustrating. But again, you put, you you just put a couple of Christians together. If you're not careful, I mean, everyone's got to be careful because the next thing you know, a disagreement and argument's going to break out. And you just like, oh man, it, it's just sad. But here's what we're going to do tonight. Tonight's all about homework. Tonight is all about homework. Someone says, uh, you're right. That's pretty much what it's like. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one who feels that way. But tonight is all about homework. Now, if you listen to our sermon last night from Victory Baptist Church, I, I did a, I tried to do a pretty good job breaking down the strengths of looking at uh, Matthew 24 strictly from a 70 AD perspective. I also tried to break down the weaknesses of looking at it from a, a, a 70 AD only perspective. 
I looked at, we, we looked at the strengths of looking at it from a futuristic perspective, and we looked at the weaknesses of looking at it from a, a futuristic perspective. There's strengths and there's weaknesses to both. We tried to acknowledge that. We're trying to, we're, we're trying to be as fair as we can because what we're trying to do is I'm not trying to present a side or a team, but we're, we really want to understand Matthew 24. But we just got to an issue. We just scratched the surface and that's where we had to stop. So now I'm going to present that as homework to everyone because it is Thursday. We're fast approaching another, an end of another week of study. So I want everyone to finish this week strong with working on this, and hopefully everyone will participate on this. It's going to be pretty simple. Matthew chapter 24, I don't have time to go back and review everything that we've discussed. You can go, well, again, 19 hours of teaching. You can go work through everything. But here's your homework. Matthew 24 verse 29 is our focus for probably, this is going to be the focus all the way till Sunday, all right, till Sunday night. Because Sunday night, we'll probably will work on this. At, uh, at the, I'll, I'll work on it from the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church with the people present and the people listening online. But here we go. Matthew 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation. Now, that, this, that poses all kinds of problems. Trying to chronological order. We still are trying. We, we, I could give you homework to do on that, but I'm not, all right? I, right now, there's just so much confusion over that. But okay, immediately after the tribulation of those days, here we go. Shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. So Matthew 24, 29 predicts, that after the tribulation, now, if you are a 70 AD only person, well, that tribulation obviously is referring to the destruction of the temple. If you are a future person, I don't know what tribulation this is, but after the tribulation, all kinds of things start happening, well, to the heavenly bodies, all right? Here's what happens. The sun is going to be darkened. The moon is not going to give her light. And the stars are going to fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Here is your homework. It's very simple. I want you to start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation and find any passage that seems to describe very similar events, very similar things happening to the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the heavens being shaken. I want you to find all the passages. And here's what's going, here's where you're going to get a little concern, is you're going to find a number of passages in the Old Testament that use, if not the exact language, very similar language, but it's impossible to say that language is pointing to the same event of Matthew 24, 29. It seems to be pointing to different events. And you, we would all have to logically conclude, well, wait a minute. You can't, you, we can't say, well, there's like seven passages in the Bible that speaks of the, the sun being darkened, the moon not giving light, uh, stars falling from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Um, uh, uh, we, we, can't, we can't have seven different passages that describe this that are talking about different events because clearly this would be something that would only happen 
one time, right? Unless you're going to say, well, it's just uh, the sun darkened and the moon should not give light. That's just an eclipse. All right. Well, you, we could say it's an eclipse, but stars falling from heaven. Okay. Well, now, now, now it's getting a little bit confused, confusing. And then uh, the heaven shall be shaken. What is that? So I want you to find all the places. That's all you got to do. I don't want you to interpret them. I just want you to observe them. So here's what you do. Find each passage, right? Okay, there's the sun, there's the moon, there's the stars. Very similar. It may not be exact. And then I simply want you to stop and go, what is it talking about? Try to identify what it's talking. Is it identifying something that's happened in the past? Is it talking about something in the future? Look at the context and just try to determine what it's referring to. If you find three or four passages that talks about sun, moon, stars, and it's talking about different events, then you're going to have to go, wait a minute. So this has happened multiple times or it's going to happen multiple times in the future. I think you're going to find yourself starting, you'll, you'll see the problem that will start developing. Now, this is very important because the 70 AD position or we could call it preterism or the preterist perspective, they, they make a big deal out of this because they, they were going to tell you that multiple times when it talks about the destruction of a nation, it uses this language. So this language is simply descri- describing in symbolic way the sun, the moon, and the stars simply when it talks about the sun and moon being darkened and the stars falling and heavens being shaken, that is referring to a the destruction of a nation, the destruction of a city, and that it's just a symbolic way of describing it. And it's it's been used to describe cities being destroyed in the Old Testament. And that same type of, 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 of literary style is being used in, here in Matthew 24 to describe the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem. Now, if that is true, then the 70 AD position is strengthened. If we can demonstrate, I don't know that if that's true, then that would weaken the position. But we still have to answer, well, wait a minute. Let's say that when we read that, we take that as literal as literal can be. Well, it can't be literal and happened five times in history. Okay? The sun, moon stopped working and stars fell from heaven. But but they all, they the stars went back up and I, I like... You, you've got to then try to process exactly what occurred. So, so I, that's the homework I want to give you. It's it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward, but it is absolutely critical at this point. All right. All right. So someone says, we had a big solar eclipse here in Tennessee in 2017, and everyone quoted this verse. Clearly, it's referring to the solar eclipse of 2017 in Tennessee. Well, it would have to be after the tribulation, so the tribulation ended in 2017? What tribulation ended in 2017? <laughs> and not only that, based off what I constantly see in the news about what's going on in churches in Tennessee, I don't know if I would trust any verse quoted in, in okay, I'm just joking, but all right. But no, um, yeah, but, but that, the thing is, people, again, will just quote this verse. That's the thing with Matthew 24. If there's a famine, Matthew 24. There's an earthquake, Matthew 24. There's a solar eclipse, Matthew 24. Pretty much anything happens, right? You know, uh, you know. I, uh, I see, here, here's, here's a box sitting on top of this table. 
Oh, it just dropped. That, that's got to be that's got to be a sign for Matthew twenty four. That's got to be a sign. Uh, a box fell from a table. That's got to be a. I, I know I'm being uh, I'm hyperbolic here and exaggerating it and being very sarcastic. But that's almost the way it works. Anything happens. It's Matthew twenty four. Nobody ever stops. And go. Well, wait a minute. How does this fit in chronologically to anything? Because the sun, moon, and stars in Matthew twenty four. This all happens immediately after the tribulation. What tribulation is that referring to? In the context, you think 70 AD, all right? <laughs> the tribulation ended when Obama left office. Oh, okay. All right, okay. That's probably, <laughs> but, but then Biden came, then now we have Biden. So how did that work out? The, the tribulation ended and then started again with the election of Biden? Like, how? Or, oh, wait, Biden wasn't elect. Okay, never mind. Okay. Yeah, now we're going to just get silly. But all right, you get the idea. But this is, but with all the silliness, set, I'm going to set that aside for a second, just to get serious here for a second. This is very important, though. We do need to figure out what we do with this. And the only way we can figure out what to do with it is we've got to look at all the similar language used from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Again, any passage that describes the sun, let me read it again, the sun being darkened, the moon not giving her light. Now, if it was just the sun, this would be very interesting. If it was just the sun being darkened and the moon not giving light, if it was just that, then we could try to figure out, was there any major eclipse? And and if you want to, for extra credit, was there any major eclipse that happened in 70 AD? Well, we'd have to figure out, this is what you'd have to do. We would have to figure out the date that Jerusalem, that the temple was destroyed. We know it's 70 AD. I think we have the specific date in historical records. We need the specific date that it was destroyed. And then we need to find out, was there any significant solar event very soon after the destruction of the temple? And I'd say, well, oh, there was a major eclipse. Does that, I'm not saying that that works. I'm just saying, because we still have the stars falling from heaven. Okay, like, what do we do with that? And not only that, we still have the fact that we have all these other passages of scripture. So if you can find a some record, historical record of a of a significant solar solar eclipse, well, it'd have solar and lunar eclipse. You'd have to have both. Yeah, I don't think that's going to, yeah, you see, you see your, how you're going to have, I, but you can just look and see what you can find. But the main thing I want you to work on, that's just extra credit. The, the, the assignment is, uh, I want you to go in, from Genesis to Revelation, and every passage that, again, speaks of the sun being darkened, the moon not giving her light, and the stars falling from heaven, and also the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, all right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone says, whatever the harbinger says, my homework is done. No, whatever the harbinger says is wrong. Okay. We, I don't want to talk about the Harbinger right now. I still have to do that episode because like, we got to talk about that movie. Oh man. I, I want to just sound the alarm. I mean, obviously I would never tell someone not to go watch a movie. I would never tell someone not to, to read the book. When the Harbinger first came out, I told everyone in my church to buy a copy and to read it. Um, I did the same thing when the shack came out. Uh, I did the same thing when the Da Vinci Code came out. There's a constantly, I'm always here. This book is going to be, I think it's going to be a significant. Make sure you read it. Make sure you know what's in it. 
So I would never tell no one to watch the movie, but everyone does need to be prepared. If you don't know, The Harbinger is a book, a horrible, a book on biblical prophecy that's just so messed up. And uh, a movie's coming out. And, uh, well, everyone needs to be prepared not to argue with the people who watch it and think it's great, but try to think, formulate questions you could ask them, maybe to help them, to move them to a better hermeneutic. I think that's the trick. Just saying, wait a minute, you saw that movie? That movie's heretical. That movie's garbage. You're not going to get anywhere that way. Go, oh, that's interesting. You saw The Harbinger. Cool. So uh, so it, The Harbinger says this about Isaiah. So so, so how, how are you coming to that kind of conclusion? Or ask them questions about the method they use to come to that interpretation. Just try to challenge them on hermeneutics, not attacking the book, just try to challenge them on their hermeneutic. And then hopefully you can help them with Bible study skills that maybe then on their own, they'll realize, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. But that's a whole, again, a whole separate podcast episode. But for now, that's what I want you to do. The homework is simple, very straightforward. I just wanted to turn on the microphone tonight. Again, it's Thursday. It's going to be Friday before we know it. And uh, I just, I just want, I just want, uh, people not to, to get as discouraged as I am. I want to, I want to keep everyone else moving forward because we're going to see this all the way to the end. I I don't know what the conclusion is going to be by the time we get to the end, but I guarantee you we're, I'm, I'm not going to cheat you. I'm going to make sure that I, we cover everything we can possibly cover to give you the best answer I can in regards to Matthew 24. All right. Now I would challenge you to do this. If you haven't, um, you can look in the curriculum. I don't think I've looked in the curriculum to see see how they handle Matthew twenty four twenty nine because again it says after the tribulation do they exp- do they place it in any kind of chronological order? You can look in the curriculum. I have not found it. If someone finds it in the curriculum, or what they say in regards to twenty nine, uh, post it in the uh, Discord channel or email it to me because I would be very interested to see what they have to say. But uh, that's your homework. Genesis to Revelation, every passage that would talk about the sun being darkened, the moon not giving her light, the stars falling from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Once you find them, just try to identify what it's talking about. Is it talking about the same event here in Matthew 24? Or is it talking about the destruction of, I could start naming some of the cities, but I won't name them. Is it talking about the destruction of these cities? And you're like, wait a minute, that that doesn't fit this. This is this that doesn't fit 70 AD and it doesn't even fit the future end of the tribute. It doesn't even fit that. So then how so it's going to it happened multiple times. And if it supposedly happened in the past, wouldn't we not have historical records for it? And if we don't have historical records for it, then we have to ask ourselves, wait a minute. Is this the type of language used in the Bible? to describe the destruction of a nation, a kingdom, or a city. In other words, it's using allegorical or symbolic language to describe that. If that's the case, and we can prove that it, it that language was used that way in the Old Testament, then guess what? We could assign that meaning here, and we would still have Matthew 24 pointing us to 70 AD. Now, as soon as I say that, people start... They start typing as fast as they can, ready to go, you heretic, calm down. Just remember, and I don't know why people get so confused by this. 
just be, even if we conclude that Matthew 24 is all about 70 AD, that in no way, shape, or form would not, would signify that there isn't something else that's going to happen in the future. It would just be we could not use Matthew 24 to prove that. It would not mean that there won't be a future temple. It doesn't mean that the Antichrist won't come into that temple and claim himself to be God. No, this would not mean this would not take away that possibility. It was just you could not go to Matthew 24 to prove it. Or Mark 13, any, or anywhere where the the uh, Olivet discourse is 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 re- reported, you you could you'd have to use something or recorded. You'd have to uh, go to a different source because some people think, well, if you if you say Matthew 24, the Olivet discourse all happened in 70 A.D., well, then you're claiming what that Jesus came back. No, I'm not claiming that. I'm just saying that these passage this passage would then be. Nope, it's pointing to 70 AD. Here's the reason we think it's 70 AD. That doesn't take away that there's something future. It just means we would have to find different passages to prove that. All right? Some people cling to Matthew 24. They're like, if I give up Matthew 24, then I have nothing. No, you I, you still have a large, a large portion of the Bible. Now, I, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying that Matthew 24 should be interpreted as all 70 AD. I'm just saying that you, we, you can't just hold on to it because you're afraid of how it may impact other your perspective of of the future. No, you just have to go whatever wherever Matthew 24 leads us based off the words that are used. That's what that's what we got to live with. Look, it's not about people take. I think it's really weird to me that when you when you when you discuss the Bible and and different interpretations. People get very emotional. Look, it's not a personal thing, right? It's not a personal thing. It's a textual thing. So, so what if you you figure out you're wrong? Okay, you deal with it. It's not. It's like sometimes people they they take it very personal. Like, no, if if I disagree with you, just it's okay. It's okay. It, it's it's okay that that maybe you're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I, I've 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 just, I've done it multiple times. I'm in the middle of a sermon. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh man, I think I'm wrong. Man, I I don't think this is. I think. Oh man, I think I've messed up, and I've done that multiple times. And people say, well, you shouldn't do that. Why not? It, it, it's okay to be wrong. It's there's it, it's it's okay to. It, it, there's no. It's not a personal attack. It, it's like your identity cannot be connected to how right you think you are theologically. Your identity is found in Christ, not how correct you think you are theologically. If you hold on to a theological position simply because you don't want to look wrong or you don't want to look dumb, then, then all hope is lost because that, that's that's approaching the Bible from a completely incorrect way. So our, our job is not, I've got, I've got a vested interest in Matthew 24. My only vested interest is figuring out what it says by the words that are used. And I don't care how, if look, if, if at the end, I've ticked off everyone. I've ticked off the futurist. I've ticked off 70 AD. I've ticked off the people who think it's it's both. I don't care who I've ticked off. I don't care. Because I'm not worried about being on your team. I'm worried about figuring out what in the world Matthew 24 says. So here's a just the next logical step in our study that we've got to do homework on. So get, get busy. Matthew 24, let me read it to you one more time. Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation, I'm not going to give you that homework right now. 
We still got to figure that out, but okay. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Your assignment, very simple, very straightforward. Look up every passage from Genesis to Revelation that seems to use very similar language, if not exact language, describing this happening somewhere in time. And then your job is just to be able to figure out what is, what's it referring to? What's it, in the context of the chapter where you find it, is this referring to the destruction of, wait, that city? Well, okay, what? And, and that's it. That's it. All right. Someone said, got it. Thanks. Okay. That, that means they're telling me, hey, it's getting late. Be quiet. I've got, I've got to go to bed. Okay. I understand. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but, uh, but hopefully everyone's got it. And if you need any help, email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And uh, well, we'll just see. We'll just see. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see how people, um, we'll, we'll just see what, I, I'm just interested to see what people find. Uh, that's that I'm interested. Now I've got a, I got a preterist book right here. They, they give me, they give me a, a, a number of things to look at. We'll talk about that Sunday night. Uh, most, I don't know, probably tomorrow night. I won't be, uh, probably tomorrow there won't be any live broadcast. Then Saturday I'll be on the air uh, throughout the day. Um, my daughter has flown in from Boston and then everyone, uh, both daughters are coming over here tomorrow night. So it's going to be a uh, family kind of get together tomorrow night. So that's what we'll be doing tomorrow night. And uh, well, where I'm broadcasting from, um, well, I can't broadcast here during the day, Monday through Friday, because, well, this is the homeschool room. Okay. So there is homeschooling going on here. So I can't, I can't do it from at, at that point. So, uh, so, uh, so Saturday we'll, we'll make up uh, if we've got a lot of stuff to work on, a lot of stuff to work on. All right. Uh, all right. Someone just says this is going to be very useful. References to sun, moon, and stars are everywhere. Good. That's now some of them you'll, you'll be like, ah, okay. That doesn't really work. You know, it's referring to something else, but you're going to find at least some very significant ones that are like, whoa, that's very similar. So, all right, everyone have fun. Uh, email me at newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And uh, hopefully by the time we're done, no, no, all the discouragement and frustration is over. And at least, I, I know this, when we're done, nobody will be able to accuse us of not looking at every perspective and trying to be as fair and as thorough as we can be. I mean, I mean, I, I, nobody's going to be able to accuse us of that. Now, when we're done, we may not be able to say we have a dogmatic answer, and some people don't like that. But if we don't, if we can't come to a dogmatic answer, we have to acknowledge that, whether people like that or not. I think there's a lot of times people think that there's a dogmatic answer when in reality, I don't think sometimes there is. Sometimes people want an answer. What's the answer? I'm like, I can't give you an answer if the Bible doesn't say. <laughs> if the Bible doesn't give me the definitive answer, I can't give you. I can make up one, right? I, nobody should want that, all right? So, all right. Um, you can tell it's been a while since I've been in front of the microphone, so I just want to keep talking. That, that's, yeah, it's been, it's been, I go, I go just a little while without being able to do something, and man, I feel like there's like 900 things I'm behind on, but um, we'll make the most of it. All right, everyone have a great night. God bless.